And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our strength and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us now in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. If you look back on our Instagram and Facebook feed and and on the YouTube channel as well, you will see uh, the children's sermon from this past week. It was our third week of having a virtual children's sermon over Zoom. And once again, the kids came through uh, surprising us and enlightening us with uh, show and tell and them sharing things from their homes that they wanted uh, for us to see. We had another great variety. We had a different train table from the train table of last week and all of its parts. There was a wall that the train had to go around. We had a water gun. We had a fish, not a real fish, uh, a a toy fish. We had, uh, you'll understand in a moment why I'm clarifying that. Um, We had, uh, what else did we have? We had a a toy cell phone. We had two baby dolls up here. We had a rock with a cross on it. Yes, Helen Avery, she is saying amen to me over there. I'm really thankful for the amen corner today. And she's saying what what she would bring to show and tell as well. We also had a real live baby. Uh, Two of our kids brought their baby brother on camera, and we had a real live dog as well. So it was a very exciting week of the children's sermon, but by the end of our time together, Kyle and I noticed something uh, that we pointed out, and that is that um, most of the kids at some point in this week's video or weeks past had a snack at some point. On the video, at one point, one little girl even held her gummy up, her little gummy snack up to the camera, and made the rest of us really hungry by sharing her snack virtually with us. And it got us to, and it got me to thinking about something I've been seeing a lot of in conversations, and then on social media, on podcasts I've been listening to, and that is, um, especially those of us who have children at home, everybody's wanting a snack. Constantly. In fact, some of you parents who are watching right now, if, you're, if your children are watching with you, my guess is they have already asked for at least one snack during church so far today. And all of us are, are, are like that. So many of us are at home. It's easy to eat. We get hungry during the day. We mindlessly eat as well as maybe don't eat like we should, and we're, so we're searching for these snacks constantly. And as I was thinking about this and reflecting on it, I was reminded of the scripture in Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, which tells us, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And throughout scripture, we see so many references to consuming food, to sharing in food together. And Jesus, multiple times in his teaching, talks about hungering and thirsting. And And the last thing he did in a communal act with his disciples was to feed them, to satisfy their hunger, to quench their thirst. And we're reminded in this of just how much food binds us together and how hunger has us saying, I need a snack, I need something to keep me going. And our young people uh, have reminded me in that teaching of how this reflects the need that we have, the hunger that we have for God. 
Peter, when he is writing this first letter to the church, and just as a refresher course, Peter is writing this not to one congregation, but to many small scattered congregations of mostly Gentile believers. And it's important to bring that up, that they are mostly believed to be Gentile believers because they did not grow up with the practices of sacrifice that someone like Peter would have in the Jewish faith and are like our Jewish brothers and sisters and ancestors in the faith would have. And these Gentile believers that Peter is writing to, they're scattered across various homes, across various regions. Does that sound familiar, friends, to what we are experiencing right now? And he is writing to them with one unifying message of who Jesus Christ is and how they can be the how they can be a part of the foundation of what we know now as the church of Jesus Christ. And their day they called it simply the way and that comes from Jesus explaining himself to the disciples as being the way the truth and the life so when Peter is writing to them he has this background of 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 the Jewish faith where things like the Passover meal were central to the faith we're going and offering sacrifices together offering this meat as sweet incense unto God that the priest would later, later consume a certain part of it all of this around food was central to their identity as a set apart people as the Jewish people. And now he's writing to the Gentile believers who believe in Jesus, who are a part of the community of faith, but they don't have that background. And Peter is setting forth for them a new a, a new basis based on the Old Testament, but with New Testament implications of what uh, of what it means to be the body of Christ, what it means to hunger together for God. And look again at what he says in verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He's playing off of Psalm 34, 8 and saying that all that his all of those who are listening to him, Jew and Gentile alike, all are able to taste of the Lord and of his goodness. And in verse 2, if you back up one verse, he compares what they're going to like being a newborn infant. Christianity is in its infant stages. Yes, it is ba- it is a faith that has been around since Adam and Eve were created. Our heritage, our, our uh, identity as the people of God goes back to the Old Testament times. But since the resurrection of Jesus, there has been a new formation of identity because he is the Messiah. He is the one that they waited for. He is the church's one foundation. He is the chief cornerstone, as we hear in today's passage. And Peter is calling Gentile and Jew alike, those with similar backgrounds and those with different backgrounds of faith, to come together and drink of the pure spiritual milk so that they may grow into salvation. What Peter is saying to all of us today is that through Jesus Christ, no matter where we came from, no matter what our background is, we all have something new that is being formed together. He, that This community of faith is something new. It is in its infancy and that they are all working together to form this new identity. And he uses that analogy of food, that analogy of, of drawing, uh, 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 that analogy of drawing sustenance from the milk and from and, and when he and when Jesus uh, in the Last Supper gives his body and his blood in the bread and the wine. These are new ways of identifying around what we hunger for and what we long for. And Peter is is setting out to the gen, mostly Gentile congregation saying, you know, yes, I have this background where spiritual sacri- where sacrifice was based on going to a certain place and engaging in, these certain, uh, in this certain process of bringing these animals and offering them as sacrifices. And the, 
priests then consume a certain amount of that meat. All of this is in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. If you've got plenty of time at home right now, start reading the book of Leviticus and tell me what you think and give me some scholarly advice on it once you have finished. But all of this about sacrifices and offerings is there in the Old Testament. It's in Peter's background. And Peter is saying to the Gentile congregation, this is not just for one group of people. This is now, for the, these lessons of sacrifice are for all who choose to believe. And this new people, this new form, uh, this new congregation that's being formed is being formed across geography, across different places, across different backgrounds. And that is such an important message for us who are at home today, that God is doing something new among us as the church in this season of resurrection. And we need to draw on and base everything we are on our Old and New Testament lessons, our Jewish heritage, as well as our early church heritage. And we have to take the time and to remember that God is building us into a people who choose to follow him as he has already chosen us. Peter goes on to say, after he talks about Jesus being the cornerstone and the chief high priest, we are reminded that when Peter uses twice this language of priesthood, he says in verse 5, like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament times, there were certain things that only the priest could do. There were certain activities and certain spaces only the priest could go into. But when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn in two, we all had we all who choose to believe in him have access to those holy places. And here in the church, when we participate in things like Holy Communion, and you see me in the priestly role wearing a robe and, and blessing the elements and distributing them, we do still have an element of that priestly role in, as, to signify the church leadership. But Peter reminds us here that we have all been made into priests, that God is building us into his spiritual house. We are not built, doing the building ourselves. God is building us as his people. Paul uses the same analogy of a building to describe what the early church is. And something really important that both Peter brings out and Paul brings out as well in his writings, it comes down to a very important root of a word in the Greek language. And we see it in today's text in verse 9 when Peter says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you've got a physical Bible in front of you, I want you to circle the word chosen in that verse. You are a chosen Race. You may have, your translation may be slightly different, but that very first adjective of this verse, you are a chosen race. That word is eclectos. And eclectos, you may, if you listen carefully, we get our word eclectic from that. And it means to gather out of. It is also the root electo for ecclesia, which is the word from which we gather, get the word gathering or church. Ecclesia is what we use to describe the early church, to choose or to gather out of. What Peter is saying to the scattered congregations, to the scattered believers, Gentile and Jew alike, that they are all chosen by God. 
as, and they have, because they have chosen to follow after the chief cornerstone. And they are an eclectic group of people. Isn't that word eclectic just wonderful? Eclectic is one of those words that I just go to if I'm trying to think of how to describe something that's really indescribable. Like if you're at an art show and you see this really magnificent painting and you're not really sure what it is. And it's got different pieces to it. It may be a mixed media kind of thing. And you say, you know what? That's eclectic. It's a really, it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a really fancy way of saying creative or cool or awesome or it, it just it encompasses so much. And that's how God describes us, friends, as the church. That's how He describes us as His living stones. He's like, you know what? I, you guys are eclectic. You are gathered from a variety of places and races and nations and backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses, and you come from all these different experiences. But yet, the thing we have in common is that we choose to follow Jesus Christ. We choose to be a part of this new beginning of, sacri- of, of not going to a certain place where we offer these sacrifices, but we come to the place with God's heart, with God's home being in our heart, and we offer spiritual sacrifices through prayer, through fasting, through almsgiving, and most of all, rooted in all of it, the worship of Jesus Christ. It is easy for us as we are scattered in our homes right now and we are unable to come to a building that we associate as God's house. It's hard for us to not be in God's house together. And friends, we are going to be in this house of God together again one day. We don't know when that's going to be and how that's, and what that's going to look like just yet, but it is going to happen one day. But God's house is also right there in your home. In fact, God's house needs to be as much in your home as you need to be in God's house. We must choose daily to follow after the one who has already chosen us to be his special people. He has said today, Peter is reminding us, we all have a new identity. We all have a new being because we are being built into what God desires us to be. I encourage you to use this time where we are not able to be in God's house to discover God's house and build God's house in your home, among your family, and among those closest to you. Let us not be focused on what has been. Let us not focus on our differences of past, but Jew and Gentile alike. Let us drink of the milk, the rich, rich milk and honey of the word of God as we are formed into a new people. Because, when, uh, because on the other side of COVID-19, we are going to be a different people. We already are a different people. And the church may look a little different as well. But one thing is for sure, the foundation, the cornerstone has not changed. He is worthy to be worshiped. Let us continue to worship him in spirit and in truth. Let us continue to let him form us into what he desires us to be. And may we be found to be the spiritual sacrifices, the eclectic, eclectos, ecclesia that God has called us to be through him who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, his Son, Jesus Christ, to whom belongs all glory and honor, our chief cornerstone, now and forever. Amen.